Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The emotion. And Dortmund against all the odds. Our European champions. Hey, BVB fans, welcome to Believe in Borussia, episode number 29. And this one will be a special one. We have a very special guest who is an OG in anything international Borussia Dortmund. We as a US-based entity are very interested in anything international and no one knows that better than Zuresh Lechmanan who is the director of Asia-Pacific for Borussia Dortmund and Open Dortmund's first international office in Singapore. So we will have him on the show today. To have more time for Zuresh and less time for me talking to myself, we will cut some of the other things short and get right into the interview. But before we do that, I'd be remiss if not to remind you to go over to BetOnline, our sponsor, head over there to the updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You can just use the promo code BELIEVE50 to receive that bonus. And there are so many things that you can bet on from... MLB, obviously, right now, World Series going on to, I don't know, the next quarterback being benched in the NFL and, of course, anything related soccer. So without further ado, let's get right to the interview. I have Zurich Lechmanan with me. He's the managing director of Asia Pacific Borussia Dortmund and the founder of the office over there. And I'm so happy to talk with him because there's probably not a person in the world that knows more about international BBB affairs than Zurich. He's the OG of international things. But before we get into all what he does and all the things that he rocks in Asia, I just want to know from him because he was just recently in Dortmund. How is Dortmund? Morning, Tilo. Uh, good evening, Tilo. Uh, guten Morgen or guten Abend. Thank you for having me here, uh, here on your on your talk show. Yeah, it's been a it's been a great to uh, to be back from Dortmund. I was away for uh, for the last ten days. Uh, recently, got back a couple of days ago. Uh, as I mentioned, it's a breath of fresh air to be out of uh, um, the country of my country where I'm based here in Singapore uh, for the last twenty months. That uh, we haven't had any form of traveling out of the country. So um, taking the first foot off uh, into the plane was a little anxious for me. Um, that 13 hours, 13 and a half hours flight to, to Frankfurt and then another further three hours on the, on the train to, to, to the beloved Dortmund. Um, it was just amazing. I was just uh, aesthetic. I was extremely happy and proud to, to be back in Dortmund after so long. Uh, meeting friends, meeting colleagues. I uh, had a couple of uh, clients and then a couple of... Um, 
uh, people that are also traveling from other parts of the world that were in Dortmund. So it was really, really great. And uh, to catch a couple of games as well, uh, to enjoy nice German beer again, uh, to have a good bratwurst. So yeah, I'm yes. not complaining. It was brilliant. <laughs> yes. And how was the atmosphere? I mean, obviously there was a you know, reduced audience, but did, did you yeah. still feel that spark? I mean, look, you're talking about one of the best clubs in the world. I mean, even talking about it, I'm just rubbing my skin right now. Um, it's Signal Iduna Park. It's the, the best stadium. It's the shrine of European football, in my opinion. So um, I think it was, um, it was just going back to the stadium was unreal for me. I mean, I've seen um, empty stadiums um, on telly and I've seen how it is uh, from the discussions I had with my friends and my colleagues. It's not the same when having fans back in the stadium to see at least 35,000, seeing the yellow wall being filled up after so many months was such a joy. The atmosphere obviously was, was, was loud. Um, it wasn't obviously, you can't compare it with a 80,000 capacity, but it made up for the difference. So the, the players were psyched up. I mean, you're playing Sporting Lisbon in, the, in, a, in a Champions League match, come on, um, on, on an evening, in an evening match, players were psyched up. And it was a great win for us. And uh, yeah, I was happy, grateful, blessed to be in that stadium that, day, that night. Yeah. And apparently a good luck charm because Dortmund's never <laughs> lost under your watchful eye in our stadium, I heard. Absolutely. I, I will hope to hold that, that record seven years. Uh, I've only had a couple of draws and wins. So, I mean, if you don't take the, the cup finals in Berlin into consideration. So as long as it's in Dortmund. Yes, I, I would like to keep that record going. <laughs> so, and, and, and in terms of the vibe, like obviously you were probably with your colleagues at Dortmund, but I mean, you must have seen the audience. Were they excited? Were people like a little distanced and, and shrugged off? Or could you see the sparkle in the eyes around? I mean, it's a, it's a match in Dortmund and it's a home game. I mean, you could see everyone, you know, celebrating, you know, coming together. We see families together. It's so nice to see everyone coming uh, and sitting together, cheering, you know, singing. I mean, I haven't seen this in the last 20 months. And to see this and witness this again, it was unreal for me. I had a fantastic welcome as well for my colleagues. And, and they were like, hey, Suresh, where are you? Oh, good to see you, my friend. You know, it's been months. I said, yeah, it's been months. Seems like, seems like years. Um, but it was so nice to, to get everyone, uh, to see everyone together and see the crowd singing. You know, it was just breathtaking and um yeah and I, and again that was just a champions league match and then a couple of days later to catch the bundesliga game against augsburg was also special in an afternoon kickoff and I, like i said it's it's um it's something that is really really special to take yourself to the uh, to the stadium and now uh, there will be more fans coming so i'm hoping at some stage we'll have full capacity back again yeah we, we all hope that from very afar it's been my impression as well the people that are going into the stadium, they really want to be there. It's obviously not at capacity. And there are people that, you know, for various reasons don't want to go right now. But it felt like the people that are there, you know, they really want to just be with other people again, you know, enjoy it together, have that communal experience. And yeah, I mean, sounds like you had that too, which is great. Yeah, but I think, and at the same time, Chilo, I think there's also certain uh, measures that are in place. So I think, you know, if you're uh, going indoors, better wear your mask on. So I think there were um, good um, uh, measures that were in place by the club. I think that obviously shows some discipline, shows some commitment and shows some responsibility as well. 
Um, and that was really important for, for us to set a, you know, a statement or a mark in terms of how we manage our, our events in the stadium. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are in different times and, you know, just have to reckon with reality. At the same time, yeah. I think it's just great that we are at least at a stage where somehow we can bring it back a little bit, right? That we can let that flame a little bit. If, if you haven't heard anyone scream in uh, like two years... 20,000 sounds like the <laughs> loudest roar you probably have heard in a long yeah, time, you know? Right. <laughs> and, Absolutely. and to your point, like, if I, you know, watching the players on, on television, it seems like they're also really enjoying, like a guy like Haaland or even Bellingham, they love their interaction, you know? And I think in the moment when they're celebrating something and they're running into, you know, in front of the stands, I mean, it would be better if there's 80,000, but even if there's 100 people standing there, these people are giving you something and they're giving them something back. And that's something we haven't had in a long time. I mean, funny enough, you mentioned this because um, I think the players obviously were so uh, motivated. They were all um, um, ready to go out there because to see the fans in, on the stands, it's, uh, it's different. And, you know, it gives you that added, added boost, you know, into your psychological and and your physical aspect of the game. So um, I think that was so so important for, for, for the place. I, I was a bit fortunate enough because I went to the training ground and um, and we happened to bump into um, uh, Jude Bellingham and he was such a nice and lovely guy and we had a, a couple of small chats and um, he was said, look, great. It's just, I was just so happy to see all the fans back in the stadium. And before I joined the club, everyone was mentioning about the, the, the whole 80,000 capacity and again to see at least half of it in the stadium was, was unreal so it was really nice to hear it from from him as well so nice uh, nice experience to be honest he's such a great player and he's he seems like an even better lad yeah. like a, a better person which is great and and yeah i mean you're obviously marketing you know partnerships is a big part of what you do and part of that the core of borussia dortmund is this culture the stadium atmosphere you know this um community that we have in the stadium and i think and correct me if i'm wrong but this is also always part of the pitch to players right it's like come here play in front of the yellow wall play in the temple yep. like you will experience the game like you don't experience anywhere else and i feel like a lot of the players like take a Thomas munier right who comes on has always said this is something he appreciates and he plays one year yep. without fans yep. Sure, it didn't help him. Absolutely. And again, when you mentioned the stadium, you talk about the Sud Tribune, the, the South Stand, the, the Galbavan, you know, the Yellow Wall. Um, and of course, what we always keep um, saying whenever we, we try to export um, the BVB feel or the Dortmund feel, actually, Lieber. And that's exactly what it is all about. It's, it's, it's real love. And to experience this again in the stadium and to export this whole experience out of the club into the international markets, You can't do it. It's 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 very emotional. You have to bring people over from wherever wherever parts of the world and experience this because it's not the same when you share it out from your from your laptop or from your from the television or whatever, than physically be there and experience this whole adrenaline in that sense. So um you've you've just said it right, you know, with the likes of Thomas Thomas Mounier and some of the other players, and now seeing more fans being allowed to come back, it's a different feel. You just see a more spark you see us a, a little bit more you know um, adrenaline that's been in the team as well so it's uh, so important for us and we are built the club is built around fans and that's exactly what it is about this club and when you go to a stadium like this you see fans around cheering singing screaming 
even if we are going down with one nil or whatever, the whole capacity of the crowds behind the team. And that's something that's very unique in the whole DPVB culture. Yeah, agreed. It's good to see it back. And I'm definitely in the group of glass half full. <laughs> yes, it's not perfect. Yes, you know, there are still obviously limitations. Certain things aren't possible at the moment. But man, it was some dire, dire days. So I'm just happy, you know, <laughs> yep. that a little bit of the happiness returned. But okay, we could probably go on and on and on about fans and a stadium. But I also want to share a little bit of about you. Who is this? <laughs> gentleman here that uh you know flies a halfway around the world and then greets his thousand friends in dortmund um i don't want to get too deep into your background because if i remember correctly we talked about this a while back you were an air force pilot in singapore weren't you weren't you in the air force I was in the Air Force, but wasn't a pilot. I was actually working in the control control tower. But let's just say let's just say you were a pilot. Yeah, I think I think that's good enough. All right, Air Force, um, semi-professional soccer player. I think yep. studied law in England, halfway around worked in Japan. So check of all trades all around the world. How does that lead to becoming the managing director of Borussia Dortmund Asia and Pacific? Like where do the dots connect? Tilo, I like the way you just panned everything out. Fantastic. Um, look, you know, I my my dream was always to be part of to be part of football, and uh, since I was a little child, um, um, you know, my 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 par my grandparents or my granddad and my uncles were all uh, football fans, and um, I mean, um, my granddad was a big Man United fan because he um, um, he had a, a strong a long standing relationship prior to the British colony and he was a part of the British army then. Um, and then he had his first uh, red shirt from, uh, from George Best, if, I, if you could remember this fantastic player, George Best and, uh, and also with, uh, from Bobby Charlton. And then I saw this shirt that was, um, that was hanging in, in his room. And then my uncle uh, took this and he said, ah, oh, this is the club that Granddad supports. So I was like, I, I didn't know anything about English football or any football I just saw the name best and with the number I think it was 11 if I'm not wrong um, behind it and I said wow that's a very cool shirt and that's when I started falling in love with football and then rolling back a couple of years that later my uncle who was working for the Deutsche Bank and um, and he was he moved to Germany for a couple of, uh, of months and then he came back with two shirts one is also a red shirt and the other one was a black and yellow shirt And I was so um, driven by the black and yellow. I was, I was caught by the black and yellow shirt because I thought, wow, this is cool. And then I saw there was a, a BVB logo in there or a BVB um, initials in it. I said, oh, this is a very cool shirt. And I asked my uncle, being a, a very young kid, and I said, yeah, where is this from? Uh, probably a, a, a silly question. And this is from Germany. I said, oh, okay, pretty nice. I like the, the color as well. And the other shirt was a Bayern shirt because um, this... Um, His boss was a, a Bayern fan and he got a very nice shirt signed off by Paul Breitner. And then one was a Paul Breitner shirt and the ball signed by Karl-Heinz Rummenigge. Um, and this was way back in, I think I was, I can remember correctly, 81, 82. That was the team probably that played in the, in the World Cup in Italy. So um, Hansi Muller, Krubesch and all these guys were part of that, of that team. And then I fell in love with the, the whole uh, German football culture. But I was just intrigued by the black and yellow. Then rolling back to the future, um, in 90, 96, 97 was the team that I saw. And I said, look, 
this black and yellow team uh, brings goosebumps to me and um, I, I'm, I'm quite intrigued to have this following with this club. Then I started following uh, the 97 team or 96 before they won the Champions League then. Uh, the 96 team was, uh, was the team that I, I, I saw in how they played uh, with English clubs and I was very, very, very um, uh, intrigued by the, the way they performed, especially with, the, um, with, with Jürgen Koller and all these players that were playing, Karl-Heinz Riedler. Summer, Lola. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Lambert um, and all these guys. So when I saw 97, wow, this team was the team that I would, I would like to, to see at some stage. Rolling down in 2014 when I had the opportunity to, to be part of this club um, was a dream come true for me. I mean, I had, as you mentioned, had a different career uh, path in my life, and, but I always wanted to be a footballer. Uh, but I've never had a chance to dream to become one and due to the limitations of, of opportunities. And, and also, if you were to look at how much you would want to make a career out of football, in, especially in the country where I am, in, in Southeast Asia, it's, it's not, not the best. Um, and the best for me was to, to see if I could engineer a, an opportunity to work in football, which I, I was blessed with. And I was working for a Japanese company uh, called Densu, um, the platform for me to work and look into different parts of uh, the football industry within Asia. And then at some stage, uh, I, was, I had the opportunity to also be in touch with European football clubs. And then I had a knock on the door from Borussia Dortmund. And they, they are looking to open an office here in, in Asia. And I said, yep. I'm keen to look into an opportunity and as they say, the rest was history. Having the next uh, couple of months uh, in Dortmund for a, for a while and then being based back in Singapore. And then you have to see a familiar face on television um, and running around every four years in a World Cup. A certain individual coming in and being part of your ambassadorial team in Asia was Karl-Heinz Riedler. And I was like, hey man, I remember you. <laughs> and it was super cool. And being an ardent football fan and at the same time having seen him play in, in the UK as well. Um, and we obviously got connected and he spoke uh, English with a Scouser accent, which was a little strange for me, but it worked. And, uh, and we, just got, we just got connected. And we went on talking about football and talking about life. And yeah, it was still today, we are like best friends. But it was just so unreal to talk about football to a, to a living legend, right, who won the World Cup, Champions League, and giving you insights about dressing rooms. And it was so cool, man. It's, uh, yeah, it was a nice experience. And until today, with year seventh, I've just completed year seventh with the club. I'm, I'm, I'm just grateful to be here and I'm so honored to be here and pleased to be representing the Black and Yellow family. Lucky number seven in that case. Congratulations. And uh, just for some context, uh, Detsu, Densu, that's um, that's a big yep. agency. So you know you were sort of already exactly. in the expanded area of you know in, in, in an industry in a sense. I suppose it's still quite an interesting leap. I uh, imagine to go from a well-established company with probably lots of like employees and the big team to yep. starting over in Singapore as the Spear of Borussia Dortmund in Asia. And you have the office in Singapore now and in Beijing, right? No, in Shanghai. I mean, you're, abs you're absolutely right. 100%. I started from ground zero. I mean, to build Dortmund from ground zero was, um, I would say, was quite challenging because in a mature market like Singapore, um, and especially in Southeast Asia, and, and to the matter of fact, it's even Asia, um, you have 
the presence of the Premier League clubs, right? So your Man United, your Liverpools, your Chelsea's, your Arsenal's, they've all had um, their brand present here years ago. The English clubs have been here like 25, 30 years ago. So obviously they had a foothold into the market. They had times and times again of, of having games played in Asia. So the fan base is relatively strong. Um, and a solid one as well. So, um, um, and then for us, it's it's our first escapade, as I'll put it, here into the Asian market. And having taken that into consideration, you also look into over your shoulder. You have the likes of Barcelona, you have the likes of Real Madrid, and of course Paris Saint Germain, and all these clubs that are of, um, are based in in and around the region. So, it was um, um, it, it was something that you need to sort of roll your sleeve and and, and be on ground and try to. Make as much noise as you can, um, but fortunate enough in 2014 and sorry in 2015 we, we brought the team over to Singapore to, to Malaysia and to Japan. Again, we had a with a, with a we had a significant player Shinji Shinji Kagawa, as you're right, and Shinji was a superstar in Asia. So and he is still a superstar in my opinion. And uh, you know, and when whenever Shinji is around, you know, fans were were drawn to the to the club in that sense. So. Um, and we were lucky to have him back and, um, when I joined, so uh, it was nice and, and, and to have him around and, and, and to be part of the team. And he was not just uh, warming the bench, he was part of the first team, so he was literally playing for the team. And that was nice. And um, I think 2015, when uh, I think we had Thomas Tuchel who took over the, from the, the reins from, uh, from Jurgen Klopp. And you could see that the team was, uh, was good, strong. And they were on tours, and we had a couple of sessions. And we had a training session in Singapore. We didn't have a game there, unfortunately, but we had a game in Johor, which was a bit of a culture shock for most of the players who have not been out of Europe. Uh, being in Malaysia was a, it was a real experience in that sense. I would have put it in that way, candidly. Uh, and then they went; to, they were in Japan as well, so the, the home of Shinji, and it was nice. And in food, culture, uh, customs, I think that sort of brings everyone together. And we grew the BVB family internationally, and then we had more fan clubs. Um, we started to do more fan engagements. The partnership side of things and the commercial side of things slowly began to grow. And yeah, we, we organically grew the, grew the team, and we, we, we made a promise to be in Asia uh, for two years um, uh, on, that, on that stretch. And in fact, we stayed three years and rather than two years. So and next, the next year, we were in Japan and, and China, and then in the, 17. We were back in China again, and then 18, 19, we were in the US. Um, so, yeah, that's how we grew. Um, and, yeah, it was, as I mentioned, um, Tilo, it was, it was a little challenging in the beginning. But I think now with, with the players that we have, um, then with Obama Youngs of this world, the, uh, the Mario Götzes of this world, the Mikitarians of this world, I mean, Gundogan, they were all part of this wonderful team. Um, and then right now, having... Uh, one of the best strikers in the world, Haaland, the one of the best young midfielders in the world with Jude Bellingham, um, having one of the best German footballers, I would say, with Marco Weiss. Um, I think you can see that the team has built a, quite a, a formidable position in, the, in European football. No, absolutely. I mean, glass half full, half empty, or at least I would say two thirds full at least, you know. Um, <laughs> There were obviously opportunities in the past when we would have wished for us to be just a little bit better, but I think people forget a little too easily how far the club has come in terms of like consolidating itself. Um, 10, 11, 12 years ago, 
we were dreaming of playing in the champ, just playing in the Champions, just being in the group stage. You know, I remember when Jurgen Klopp took office, and um, in the first or second season when I was still in Germany, and we would go to games. Um, we were looking at each other and we were like, man, maybe next year we can play Europa League. That was legit what we were like. This is a young team. They give a crap again. They play decent. Maybe we can even have an international game. That was our level of expectation. Now it's like, man, when are we going to win the freaking championship again? You know, I'm obviously over-exaggerating. We're in the Champions League, top 15, probably top 12 club in the world in terms of like revenue, reach, players, potential. We do literally have the best young talent period on the planet, bar none. Like there's not a single club that has the combination of youth, but it's also good. We don't just have young players for, for young players' sake. The young players that we have are probably the best at their age. So yeah. yeah, you know, like those are all accomplishments. And and we did it all by, you know, while still consolidating and growing the club, reducing debt, building more equity, investing in Brackle, investing in, you know, infrastructure in the stadium. So so I want to recognize that here too. And obviously a big part of that is also what you guys are doing, tipping my head. Just want to go back real quick to what you were saying about Shinji, because I'm just curious. You know, the, the materials that we see um, from the tours, obviously kind of balanced because Dortmund doesn't have an interest to, you know, make one player look much better than the other. But like, was was there a difference? Was he really like a, a nudge above everybody? Like, like I, I get Roman and Marco Reus are popular players, even in Asia when it comes to Dortmund. You know, they probably get recognized and all that. But if Chinji would turn the corner, everybody would like scuttle over, or or how was it? Like, how how crazy was the Chinji craze? <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, Chinji obviously, um, and he was a, a superstar under Jurgen Klopp. I mean watching him play i mean coming from a second division club in japan and and being being scouted and knowing the fact that he will be a big addition and a big plus to the, to the team it shows and it was proven that he he was he was that player um and especially with his build he's not the big size player in that sense but he had talent both you know on on, on the pitch and off the pitch as well how he sort of bring um, um, fans, uh, Asian fans together or just international fans together was also quite quite nice to see as well. Was he also really popular outside of Japan? He was obviously big in Japan. Oh, yes, absolutely. When he comes to Southeast Asia, for example, I mean, Shinji flies the flag for Asia. I mean, he's just not purely fit for, for the guys in Japan, for example. So whenever he travels to the other markets like um, China, for example, when we go to, uh, to Southeast Asia, Everybody wants to a piece of Shinji because he's 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 the the darling of of, of Asian football, um, and he also had the chance to play for Manchester United under Alex Ferguson. Then there was something special about Shinji, um, and whenever he's on the pitch, you know the crowds go wild. Can we call him the Asian dream? Because it feels like it's it's a, it's a Rex to riches story. You come from the second division yep. in Japan, nobody's heard of you before, and all of a sudden you're playing Champions League, winning championships <laughs> in Europe. Not as a bench former, but as a key cog in a team. You, you go to United. Absolutely, it's a fantastic story, um, unbelievable. And I, I mean, again, there are there are good Asian players. I mean, look at Son for right right now. I mean, he was in Leverkusen, and then he's he's in Tottenham right now. I mean, look at he's formidable, unbelievable. Um, and there are top Asian talents that are out here. It's just we just need to to find. We look at Hasebe, for example, in Eintracht Frankfurt. He spent years in the club and has done really, really well. And if, even for a club like us, I mean, we've had, apart from Shinji, we had 
with uh, Leon Pio before, who used to play for uh, PSV Eindhoven Tottenham Hotspur, and he was with us for a couple of years. We had Park Chu Hu, uh, who was for Mainz with Thomas Tuchel. I mean, if, obviously, if, even though he didn't have much games under him, but you know, he had some games with Dortmund. And they had G, who was also part of the the, the Dortmund uh, from Augsburg and to and to uh, to Dortmund. So again, you see, there were four, three or four really good Asian players um, that have graced the uh, the club, and not just as 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 bench warmers, but as um, players that would would want to participate or at least be fielded in the uh, in, in the first team. And that's exactly what's important for the club. We are not here to to look at players that we will sell merchandise for us. And that's not the, the, the club's ethos or the club's philosophy, in a sense. And, and, and on, on that note as well, look at what we are building in terms of youth. We have, the, what, we have youth players that have come through the system, you know, from Pulisic, you know, to Felix Paslak, uh, now uh, Mukoko, uh, we have Gio Reyna. Look, you know, there is a nice story. I mean, we are not only looking at buying players we are looking at building and grooming and and generating and producing top players and that's exactly what we have and that's why the system is in place and that's why the youth system and the youth philosophy is such a big important aspect of our club's dna you just uh touched on it in terms of like what you're trying to achieve in asia i want to say um and obviously it's also when you talk about asia we're talking about a very diverse market here Singapore is probably very different from Vietnam, which is very sure. different from uh, Indonesia, which is then again very different from northern China, for example. So, you know, from income levels, exposure, media reach, all that good stuff. So yeah. just want to uh, flag that, you know, we, we are aware that it's different. Most of you, you will. But, but like... <laughs> <laughs> I get what you mean. Yeah, how do you service a market like that? And how do you like measure the growth? I mean... It, Obviously, it's different than when you started 2015, but what are the moments where you realize, wow, like this is really taking off or crazy. Yeah. This, this is the impact that we want to see. I can share stories. And if I do, it's probably going to take a long time. But I can tell you, honestly, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, the, these are real fans. I mean, we had um, um, experiences in Indonesia, for example. I brought Kalerivla there when we won the uh, DFB Pokal in 2017. And 2018, we had a tour of the of the cup um, in in the whole of Southeast Asia and parts of Asia, and I took Kalaridla there. And mind you, man, I've never seen fans that were so crazy. They were singing songs. They were singing real Dortmund songs in German, and it's not like in Bahasa or in English. They were singing German songs, and it was unbelievable. And they were there, and 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 Kalaridla told me, Suresh, this is wow. I said, yeah, this is just the tip of the iceberg. You haven't seen anything more than, than, than what I'm going to show you. And he was blown away. Um, and this is exactly why uh, I would say, look, you know, our philosophy is simple. I know it's difficult to be a Dortmund fan. We, 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 we know it's, 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 um, you need to have some certain touch points with the club. A lot of the people here in Asia are fans, are predominantly fans of the English clubs. Um, maybe some with, uh, with, 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 with Barca and Real. But there's still space in your heart for a second team. And I always drill this that you can have more than one club in your heart. So if you have a first team that's from the Premier League, you have a second team that's in your heart, that's Dortmund. And that's exactly how we try to engage with the fans and build affinity and build emotions with the club. Because you can't change... I mean, if, you're a, if, you're a, if you have a first team that you support, and that will be the only team, that's fine. But let's be a little bit more uh, um, creative here 
and, 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 ex, and experimental as well to look into different leagues. Why don't you look in the German league, for example? There's one special club out there. And, what, and it's, it has a beautiful color of black and yellow. It's one, has the, one of the most amazing stadium experiences you've ever seen in, in world football. And why don't you come and have a look at this club and then see exactly how this club is doing. And you will find a different experience altogether. Look at the young players that's coming up from it. That's a nice story to tell. And that's exactly how we go to each market and try to share this um, experience to all the fans. And slowly and surely they start looking into it and say, yeah, great. And it helps when you also have young players who are also vibrant on social media. They talk about, um, about the club and what they do. And look, in this, in, in, you know, Tio, Dortmund is a very traditional club. It's not superficial. We are here for football. We are not here to, you know, to beat around the bush and, yeah, you know, blah, 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 and, you know, um, and, and, and try to sensationalize ourselves. Yes, we are in a, in a market whereby we are competing with the big boys, with the bigger clubs. And we have, that, we have the quality and we have the ability to challenge these clubs on the pitch because we have players. Yeah, and we have also seen players coming out of the club and then have gone to other clubs as well. So um, uh, going to different markets, it's obviously uh, um, you know, trying to build, build in that affinity. Um, I tend to bring in a, a, um, you know, um, the, the legends with me. Sometimes if we, if we do have first-team players that are on tour, we tend to bring them along as well so that they could share stories, they could share insights, uh, they could share experiences that you won't hear it from people like me, but you hear it from people that have been on the pitch and people have been on the dressing room, people have been on Champions League finals. And these are stories that comes in, you know, uh, one in a million years in that sense. You know what I mean? So um, that's exactly how we start building that, that BBB stories as we go along internationally. And I think you make a super important point here you know you always have to consider it in the cultural context and to my knowledge i've not been there but for example china it's very common to have like multiple soccer teams you know you like you, you like one league you like another league and then maybe a third when you when you see sometimes and i always find, find it funny when for example german clubs or whatever post oh we have this and that many followers in china that doesn't mean that I don't know, 10 million Chinese fans are Dortmund or Bayern fans or whatever. Yes, they are, but they're probably, half of them is probably also a United or a Chelsea or whatever fan. Sure, absolutely. And European, you know, um, fans probably don't understand that because they just grow up with it and nobody questions sort of like that sort of mindset because that's all, all you know. But you have to understand when you're in Asia or you're outside of, even in America, your dad's not going to take you to the stadium, at least to Dortmund, and, and, and it's going to like... Huh spoon feed you this club over and over yeah. and over again yeah. Yeah. like you wouldn't listen to just one band you know like you or, or watch one film from the states <laughs> you know you yeah. watch <laughs> several shows because you find them all entertaining and interesting but eventually with the right stories you probably pick a favorite too i mean in my experience i you know i talk with fans on my podcast and uh, with fan club founders and i ask them like how did you get into it And a few of them, you know, I've said, like, you know, I started watching football through the Premier League because that's the first thing that was available in the yeah. States, like in a quality presentation. But then some of them switched because they they liked it, but they didn't like it as much as this club from Germany that the more they knew about, sure. it, the more they related to it. And it went from, yeah, I like both to, you know what, this is my team and that's what I'm doing. And I think yeah. I think the fans that are singing in German and in, in, in Indonesia or whatever 
I, I think they're pretty committed. I think that's safe to say. Uh, I honestly, Tilo, to, to be very honest with you, we have close to about um, 500,000 followers in Indonesia and 600, sorry, 600,000 followers in Indonesia, 500,000 followers in Thailand and that about the same um, amount in Vietnam. And, I, and I'm not saying this because, yeah, I work for the club because I've seen it by myself. I had players like Jo Heinrich. I mean, yeah, Jo Heinrich, yeah, not the best of, uh, of players when it comes to speaking English <laughs> or at least, uh, um, you know, uh, communi- or at least um, trying to connect with the fans. But his presence, being a Champions League winner, um, his presence being part of the, uh, the 97 team, part of the, the BBB, a legends team. It was was phenomenal for me because the players, I mean, the fans were there, knowing about his stats, knowing about his families, knowing about knowing about the, the matches that he, he played for Dortmund, and they were single handedly uh, single handling it in a way whereby he was surprised to know that they know all these stats about him. He was playing for Fiorentina, and who who he was partnering with uh, in defense with Delivio and all that stuff, and all these questions were raised to him, and he was like. Man, this is unreal. So you, you're not looking at, at just superficial fans, but fans who really know about the club. And just to end on the aspect of, uh, of loyalty as well, you're right. It's difficult when you're born, say, somewhere in the Rue area or when you're born somewhere in, in Bavaria or you know, somewhere in Manchester that you have a club that you, you live and you were born there and you support that particular club. It's different in, in, in Asia. We have local clubs that we follow here in our respective markets. But when we look at football, we look at football at the highest quality. And the stardom in Asia, it depends on the generation that you grew up with. My generation was always about the, the team. It's all about the quality of the team that, that plays, the, the, the stories that are behind it. So there are a lot of fans that are in the past, that are, there are Leeds United fans, for example. There are fans that I know in Asia who is um, Kaiserslautern fans. Unbelievable, but they know the team that are playing for Kaiserslautern. Unreal. And then you have a generation of fans that follow purely the players. We call, I call it the Beckham syndrome, where you follow David Beckham or Ronaldo, for example. And Beckham leaves for PSG or AC Milan. I follow the club because I want to be with the players. So there is this trend, fortunately, unfortunately, in Asia where it's very, very driven towards individual players. Uh, and it's all because, through, based on the generations that you, you are growing up with. And it's the same uh, here right now in Asia. Uh, now, Ronaldo going back to Manchester United, you see more red shirts in the, in the market. Uh, you see more PSG shirts being the market because Messi is in PSG. So, yeah, it's, it's what it is, unfortunately. But there is this in, uh, inclination with players. Um, yeah, it, it's the same in the U.S. And... You know, it's very common here across all the sports. Um, if you watch an NBA game, it is never, oh, the Los Angeles Lakers are playing, I don't know, the New York Knicks. It's always Julius Randle and the Knicks versus LeBron James and his Lakers. It's always yeah. it's always Tom Brady playing yeah. Bill Belichick or whoever. They always break it down on an individual level. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it just translates. So yeah, it's 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 interesting to see that, but yeah, it has its pros and cons. I'm not the biggest fan of it either, but you know what? Many ways lead to Rome, is a German saying. So as long as we end Absolutely. up on the same, um, you know, understanding of, of what why this club is fantastic, you know, I'm all good with it. And you know, to your point, it's like Jörg Heinrich is, was born in East Germany, somewhere in Brandenburg, in a t- small ass town in Brandenburg, um, and you know, by his age. Well, that the war was still up, and I'm pretty sure for most of his youth, even young adulthood, he didn't even fathom going to West Germany. 
let alone ending yeah, up one yeah. day in Indonesia and having people <laughs> yeah. in a country yeah. that 30 years ago, you couldn't even dream of visiting. Ask 100%. him about it like family Tilo. and the playing days. I, exactly, Tilo. I was just with him a couple of uh, days ago when we were, in Berlin, uh, we were in Dortmund and we were chatting and he said, Suresh, thank you, man. I've been with you to Australia, to Vietnam, to Singapore, uh, to Indonesia. Uh, man, this is unreal, man. I've never dreamt in a hundred years that I will be in, an, in, in a market like that, experience a different culture and talk about Dortmund. I mean, think about it, man. And I mean, obviously, to, to his credit, his English is much better now. I mean, of course, we, we do a little bit of English and a little bit of basic German just to get by, but his English is much better now. And so, and then my, my colleagues came to me and said, Suresh, I saw you on the table um, over dinner and you were sitting with your Heinrich. Man, what are you guys talking about? For almost 40 minutes, you were laughing, blah, blah, blah. I said, we spoke English. He said, are you serious? I said, yeah, we spoke English. I said, wow, that's great, man. I said, yeah, we spoke English and we had a bit of, a bit of translation in German here and there, but it worked. And we knew exactly how to touch the right points and on the right topics. And he was like, man, you guys are funny, man. We were just scratching our heads and saying, what are you guys on about, man? So it was cool, man. It was really funny. Yeah, I love that. At the end of the day, this game just, just speaks a common language. Like, if you're on the same wavelength and you understand the game the same way, you can communicate with so many people. And that's so beautiful. Like, I don't know whether you yeah. get in the cab in Mexico or you know, yeah. in an airport in Australia. If it's like, oh, wow, somebody sees a shirt. It's like, this is your club. Yeah. The emotions, yeah. the, you know, yeah. what you share. It, 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 it translated it transfer so that's cool yeah and you know to york's credit i'm pretty sure he he probably had to learn russian in school back in the days so <laughs> i'm not surprised probably i mean i'm I, I i mean my parents i'm also i was born in east berlin so okay and yeah my parents were probably not that much older like that was still the language i had to learn in school russian so they never had any english in school yeah, sure. so you know Hey, you know, gotta gotta give the brother a break there. Um, <laughs> um, skipping over Jörg Heinrich, um, and you know, we were just talking about fans in Indonesia. Where where are the big yellow, black and yellow hotspots in in Asia? Because I know there are some really big fan clubs, like uh, the guys in Thailand are doing amazing work. Um, we just talked about Singapore. I know in, in China there's lots of stuff going on with Benny Val. To your knowledge, like where is like big congregations, clubs, or whatever? I think for I mean for Asia, I would say um, the the three biggest. I would say Vietnam is number one. I think they've got the biggest engagement. Vietnam. They are, yep, yep. If you were to look in social media numbers, and if if there's any engagement, international engagement, they bypass Germany as well in terms of how high the engagement levels wow. are in Vietnam. So I would say Vietnam, um, I would say Indonesia and, and Thailand, obviously. So there's three biggest Southeast Asian markets, I would say, are the hot, hot beds, hot spots for, uh, for black and yellow. Um, China, of, of course, um, with various parts and a big credit to, to Benny Wall for uh, obviously, um, 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 you know, planting these flags in and around China. Um, the market of India, um, they're slowly uh, building up, and especially now with our club. Uh, new club partnership in, 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 in Hyderabad, which uh, has built a bit of a, a black and yellow feel to it. Um, Japan, I will never discount the fact that Japan was the, the door opener for us since Shinji was there. So um, that's, that's obviously a market that I will not uh, forget. And Korea, and now I would say Korea. Korea is a market that uh, has produced a lot of Bundesliga players from Korea. 
Korean. So Korean players that want to Bundesliga to play. So, so these five, six markets, I would say the rest, I would say these markets as uh, uh, markets A or on the verge, uh, some of them are in the bits of markets A and B. So Singapore, Malaysia, these are probably, I would say, markets B. Um, um, there are some good sort of momentum with these countries, but I wouldn't say that they have spent a lot on 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 the club on a on a on, on an aggressive basis with the online if you know what i mean yeah no, so, no totally uh, what about australia though like uh, uh, you know we had mitch langerick mustafi for a time even though he didn't really like break into the team we had such a great momentum in australia in the last two years um we had a partnership with a with club maconi in, in in new south wales which was such a um an important uh milestone for us because um they were one of the they are not they are like the, the conference, not conference league, the championship uh, of, 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 the, of, the prim, of the Premier of the English uh, football uh, scene. And they are not the Premier League, but the championship, but the top, the number one championship team in, in Australia. And they have produced so many top um, uh, talents, um, uh, like the Mark Pidukas of this world uh, previously. And, um, and that's exactly what we were trying to, uh, to reach because they have such a hot bit of youth prospects and we wanted to see what we could do in Australia. Um, and build on that, and also the momentum with the with the Bundesliga as well. That they were looking into a few few opportunities. There were Puma, there was Puma there uh, that we were like looking to build a little bit more. And then, as they say, in twenty at the end of twenty nineteen, early twenty twenty, then it all started to yeah uh, to deflate because of the whole Corona situation, and uh, we lost a lot of uh, a lot of touch points with yeah well, yeah momentum and touch points in in Australia and. Yeah, it's just been tough right now. I mean, we have not been on ground. I'm actually due to speak to a colleague, to a good partner of mine called Buddy Farah, which is, uh, which I'm due to speak to him today, and just to see what's going on in Australia. Because to be honest, uh, they, they're they've been in lockdown for a long time, and they've just started to to open up. And the question is, what else and what more could we do? Um, but yeah, Australia was such a uh, what was such a big market for us that we wanted to to expand and grow a little bit more on that part of Oceania region. Um, but uh, we are now put, we are putting everything on ice right now because honestly, if we can't travel to Australia, and then look think think about it, it's more than twenty hours to come from Europe all the way to Australia. So it's not a it's not a, a an easy flight. Usually you do a stopover somewhere. Yeah. But otherwise it's just a, a tough one for us. Uh, but let's see. I mean we've not we've not uh, we've not closed doors and we will probably revisit this in in the next coming months when whenever we can. Hey, each thing at their time. You know, can't do everything at once. Maybe to wrap up. You know, we talked a lot about what Dortmund means, and you obviously not just working for the club, you're a fan of the club and you're very conscious of, you know, some of like the intrinsical parts, but how do you preserve what the club stands for, you know, while expanding internationally? It's sort of like a, a balancing act, I would imagine, you know, to keep the club rooted in its sort of like local and in a sense, small town. Yes, Dortmund is a large town, you know, depending on where you look on, but it's not a big town in comparison to Singapore or New York or, even, you know, Sydney or something like that. So how do you how do you manage that? Good question. In Dortmund, like I mentioned to you um, previously as well, I said it's a very traditional club. There are certain um, roots that are instilled with a with a club like Dortmund. Um, we are, I mean, the club has only started its internationalization seven years ago, so it's still 
at its infancy, it's still baby steps, it's still a work in progress for us. And we keep this firmly rooted into the, on, uh, into the ground. We're not here to quickly go out there and start building Dortmund as if it's, a, it's the club, you know? you know what I mean? And so I think there are still, still certain, I would say, principles that are in place that we have, we have to obviously work along and around it and to ensure that certain um, messages and, that we share are meant uh, for the markets that for the international fans and we tend at, at the same time to also uh, keep the principles of the club um, at, at the same time so it's it's a fine balance i don't know how to put it into words Tilo, but you know it's just something that you have to roll it out run it and at the same time be rooted if i can all put it in one sentence in that sense and and just be humble and i think the humility part of this club is so important for us um, and um, yeah, we, as you see, we won't change the colors of our, our club. It will be yellow, it will be black. You know what I mean? So these are things that no matter what, and that's the, that's the there is a campaign that's going out right now. I don't know if you've seen, it's called No Matter What. And that's such a big, big uh, campaign that we are sending a message out. And no matter what we are, where we come from, who we are, and the situation we are all in, it's still black and yellow, it's still BBB. And that's the sort of message that we take it out of uh, from Dortmund to the rest of the world. I mean, humbleness, I was just going to say that, but from what you're telling me, I think a big part of is also authenticity, right? You just said it, like yeah. we're, yeah. you're not overselling, you're not like this is the best ever. We have certain things that are world-class and maybe even the best in its class, like Atmosphere Stadium. And, you know, we're not yeah. shy about it, but it's also like it's an offering. Yeah. And I know, for example, that you go to your business meetings, not in a suit, but you wear a jersey. So you sit there with all the reps from all the other clubs and leagues, whatever. And in comes Suresh in his Dortmund tracksuit. And everybody's like, hey, did I not get a memo? <laughs> Funny you mentioned that, Tilo. And, 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 and you're right. I mean, that was, that was the, key, the key word that, was, that, that I was probably trying to look for. It's authenticity. And that's something that's, that is authentic about the club. It's real. We're not fake. It's real. This is exactly what the club is. You know, we are rooted back to, to where, where, where football is. If you go to our dressing rooms, it's the same dressing rooms. We don't have uh, nice uh, seats from, from the Formula One uh, cars that has been, been put into the dressing room. We don't have stuff like that. It's just a stadium because we are here to play football. And, um, <laughs> and you're right. And, then, and whenever I go for meetings, yeah, maybe not all meetings, but some meetings, I want to represent the club. I mean, yes, I'm not, I, I, I like being in a suit and a tie sometimes, but I work for a football club, man. I need to be in a, in a nice track suit with my, with my BBB emblem on my chest. This is the club that I work for. And I walk into the rooms and, pe and some of them say, man, did you just bring a, a player that came from the training ground? Then I was like, yeah, I was almost there, but not, not, not close enough. So, you know, we start with that kind of humor and then we talk about football. And I'm here to represent the club because we're a football club. We're not a commercial industry or an organization in that sense. And when, we, when I talk about football, it's about everything from the club to the players, to the youth philosophy, to CSR, to marketing, you name it. It's, it's to do with BVB. Well, in my humble opinion, the club is in very good hands with you in your hands and in Benny's hands and your team's hands. I feel it's important and I feel that's what, what makes Dortmund and you know, a lot of the other traditional clubs special is that people that work there actually care about this club. It's not just an employer and then, you know, in two years they're moving on to the next team and then, you know, how people sometimes bounce around in the sports industry. No, like a lot of people yeah. really yeah. deeply care 
about this club and just this club. And that's cool. And um, so, yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate you also holding up the black and yellow flag, literally, very literally, <laughs> all over Asia. And just out of curiosity, now really the last thing, but do you know, because I, I know you've been waiting on the, you know, on the team to come again. You were scheduled to have an Asia tour, uh, you know, two years in a row. Obviously, we here in the States are also, you know, always happy when the team comes. So do you know what's happening next? Are you guys finally getting your tour in 2023 if everything, you know? Yeah. Up? The plan is obviously to, to, to travel in 22. Again, it's a tough one for us in 22 because we've got the World Cup uh, next year as well. So um, I think the season will start much earlier. Um, I think the players probably would have a much shorter break. Um, so, um, yeah, we need to just really think about how uh, we would be able to travel. It also depends on Corona restrictions and measures in, in the markets. Um, so season will end in May uh, and the league starts in July, if I'm not wrong. So again, it's um, we have relatively a very short period of time to turn it around um, and um, for them to go on the vacation, come back for pre-season and then um, start in uh, in July and then have a break for the World Cup and then back again. So. The plans are always there, and I'm I'm a big advocate in terms of trying to push the club to be to come and travel internationally. But um, I think it's 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 beyond my powers to be very honest with you. It's also a, a situation where we need to review and see what what is it out there for 22. But uh, if there is an opportunity, I would love to see the team travel. Yeah, me too. Because the sooner they go to Asia, the sooner they come back to the states. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Surish, man, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for, you know, giving us a little bit of an insight into your work and what you do and, and really into yourself. You're such a great character. And, and again, good, I think Dortmund good. is in great Getting hands. Down. Thank you. <laughs> I hope to have you back sometime soon and hear about, I don't know, travel plans or whatever else you got going on in Asia. So thank you for your time. And yeah. Good luck spreading the black and yellow love. Thank, thanks, Dilo, and a uh, pleasure to uh, to be part of this podcast and on your show as well. Thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, appreciate the chat. It was nice and fun, and I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in again to Believe in Borussia, presented by Bet Online. Shout out to Zuresh for taking time and sitting down with us to speak. We will pick it up again with the Borussia Dortmund history in the next episode, and until then. A black and yellow shout out across America. They've done it! Incredible! Unbelievable! Astonishing! Dortmund dances! Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.